We got our waters. Got the waters. We're on air. You click that. Yeah, I think so. I right. pressed it. I'll reach through and welcome you oh. to the podcast. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Always. And thank you to the Hills Podcast Room for letting us use this, letting us use their water. It's a great venue. Spilling it everywhere. Oh, tr- not meant to tell them that, but yeah, I, I did spill the water and I apologise <laughs> for that. Well, we'll tag them in social so they can see that. So, Cairo. Chiro. Chiro. Let's go with chiropractic or Cairo. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I've only known you as a chiropractor. Mm. And I'm assuming that there was a life before Cairo. Yeah, there, there was a young life before Cairo. I yeah. went straight into Cairo, studying Cairo after high school. Okay. So were you doing anything work-wise before that or was there? Um, yeah, well, it was mostly before that my life was pretty much football, soccer, football, soccer. Really? Yeah, playing, uh, refing. Coaching, anything football. So, football. You don't call it soccer. No, no. So you're a true, true soccer player then. A football player, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> there's a thing against calling it soccer or something like that. Yeah, there is. Well, we changed it in Australia to playing football now. So, okay. Those who are passionate about it will call it football, and we'll correct you all the time as well. Just like you, just now. Yes. Yeah, but that was pretty much my life before Cairo. Yeah. Um, playing football as a kid. Um, yeah, growing up playing, going to a bit of coaching, a bit of refing. And then I worked at an indoor football centre as well before Cairo or, and while I was studying Cairo. Yeah, because I only know you as like the guy who lives at the northern beaches, Cairo. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of beaches lifestyle as well in there. Surfing? Uh, a bit of surfing, not as good as I should be. Yeah. Should catch the beach more. If we live close to the beach, we don't get there enough. True. If it's we- you go to the hills anyway, so. Bit of bush, bit of hill, bit of a uh, beach. Yeah. Well, so then did you Cairo, uh, where did you do that at? Uh, so it's a three-year Bachelor of Cairo at Macquarie. Yeah. And then a two-year Master's of Cairo at Macquarie. Okay, so five years total. Sorry, everyone. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, five years total. But in between those two degrees, um, you normally just carry straight through, so it's five years. But I actually took a year off. In between so Ooh. 12 months off um i worked for a little bit worked for about six months and then i went to europe and traveled for eight months okay worked where like football again or yep indoor football center yeah yep for six months um i was already working there at the time and then i took time off from work and just left and backpacked around europe for eight months wow yeah, yeah. so it was good to break up the studies and get out see the world find myself oh <laughs> That's wow. what they say. You go on a gap year and you go find yourself. Did you find yourself? I don't think I was lost, but yeah, it was good. It was good. Definitely life experiences. And it was a good chance to travel. Yeah, that's true. Like eight months of travel in between studies. It was a great decision. I was very happy I did that. Sweet. Yeah, you were just lost. You know, you did. You just finished your three-year degree and you're like, I'm lost now. Yeah, I don't know. I almost didn't come back. Oh, why? I almost extended it for another year. I just was uh, loving it. I yeah. was Loving being there um, and I almost got stuck and just wanted to live there and uh, work as a party host and yeah. So you did that over there? Like you couldn't have done indoor football? I didn't work while I was there. Oh, okay. I did a bit of volunteer work in a hostel. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I was in Budapest and I like yeah started to 
um, yeah, get used to this company that we're basically doing pub crawls and party boats and things like that. And it sounded pretty good to me. You got used to a company. Yeah, I was there for a couple of weeks. So I just went out with them every... Volunteering? No, no, no. I was just as like a... You were patron. getting partied. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting partied. Okay. <laughs> I was a patron of theirs. Um, and I started to know some of the staff and yeah, get friendly with them. And it looked like a pretty good gig, but didn't work out and probably for the best. Didn't work out badly in a bad way or... Oh, yeah, I almost I almost stayed there and worked and stayed there for another year or so. What made and you not stay? Um, I took time off. As, well, I stepped away from the party scene and went and had some time alone and decided, no, I probably should go back. Also, Ooh. the um, job wasn't available for a few months, so I would have had to, like, live off scraps for a few months. Could have got a bar job or something, right? Yeah, I could Yeah, I could have, definitely could have, but probably for the best that I came back. Wow. You found yourself. Uh, yeah, almost lost myself. Yeah, there you go. Almost got lost in the lifestyle. Wow, but that's interesting. Now I'm professional, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah, spilling water everywhere. And I'll go on to the questions now. The questions. So, recovery and healing process. I've got there, if you missed that. Recovery and healing process. Mm-hmm. Now, did you want to start with your physio chiro question first or start with that one? Well, you had that one in your head. No, we can go whatever you want. Okay. Um, Recovery process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think if you say the recovery process, it's probably quite standardized and then you can sort of then branch out into, okay, then what's the difference if you're both healing and recovering? So more, and this is more so just some education for (laughs) me as well. I'm injured sometimes, not all the time. Or we're injured sometimes as well. And it seems to be, or I've even seen some diagrams of like, sort of this is your healing. Let's say you healed up here Mm -hmm. and they've got this line that goes down, like the initial, whatever it is, or like sort of pre sort of warnings and like Mm -hmm. uh, aching back or whatever it is. And then it's sort of like, ooh, I know something happens and then you hit a nerve or whatever it is, something happens and it flares it up. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of go through this upward phase here. And then you drop back down, another upward phase, and it sort of like levels off. And then you sort of have this line that goes up, apparently. Obviously, it's yep. individual case by case. Yep. I'm assuming they're just sort of saying it's not just straight up and down. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, yeah, you go to a chiro, a physio, whatever it is, massage therapist, and you sort of make it a little bit more linear or you don't have that regression that occurs mm. at the end of things. So I sort of found that interesting because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty much how it goes with me as well, like, you're like, oh, it's getting better. And you, oh, no, nah, it's not. Yeah, I've got to back it up or whatever it is. Yep. Would we be able to go a bit more in depth into, let's say, how things do heal and, mm-hmm. yeah, personalise it, I guess, a little bit to, rather than it just being science, the individual themselves. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think what you're talking about, like, with the graph is, like, obviously, like, healing timeframes yeah. and a healing process. Obviously, you're going to... Once you do have that injury, you're at a lower level of function um, and you're trying to get back up to 100% of function and you're going to go up and down. And the idea with a therapist is hopefully that you stay more on the up than you do on the down. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess what... Then the first thing that comes to mind then is why does that happen with a therapist? Well, that's kind of that's kind of what guides our um, treatment schedule. Yeah, because if you get injured and you come see us, 
get put onto like a treatment schedule and we're trying to break up that pain pattern. Yeah. So often when you saw, you're like, oh, I'm getting better. And then you're like, oh, that hurt. Yeah. So we're just trying to interrupt that cycle of pain. If you're improving and then you're like, oh, that hurt again, um, then that's kind of just you putting, going back into pain. Yeah. And then you're breaking down again and you go into this pain cycle. So we're simply just trying to interrupt that stage, make you feel good. And make sure you don't go back into that pain pattern. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes even with a therapist, you'll go and push it too hard and you'll go back into pain. But the idea is that we can intervene at that level and then stop you from like dropping in that graph and keep you stepping up. Okay. I get that. So the schedule, like our treatment schedule is trying to uh, like predict the future and like predict when you're going to go into pain. And the idea is that you see the therapist before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So yeah, that, that would be a it. good treatment schedule. And that's why we slowly push people out in treatment. So if you come in with acute pain, we might see you twice a week or regularly or weekly or whatever it is, depending on exactly like what it is, who it is kind of thing. Um, but then that schedule slowly gets pushed out so that you have more time doing things you do without pain, but we're still there to interrupt before the pain happens. Yeah, I get that. So it's sort of like... You've got, let's say there might be more risk or more interruptions, or sorry, more downfalls that occur, mm-hmm. meaning you need to interrupt it more at the start. Yeah. But then there's sort of like a gap, a bigger gap as you're healing more and more. Yeah, because your function's improving. When you're in acute pain, you can't do a whole lot so that we get you, hopefully we get you out of pain, um, feeling a bit better so that you improve your function and that while you are functioning well, then we get you to feel better again and then you improve your function again. Okay, sweet. So it's in that acute phase, it's hard to gain more function because there's that pain that's yes. holding you back. Yeah, because it's very easy to be like, ooh, that hurt Yep. in that acute phase because everything hurts. Yeah. Bending over hurts. Yeah, ooh, can't get in the car. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so okay. That's w- because there's more pain cycles kind of thing. That's why we're seeing you more to try and break that up more. Yep. frequently i get that because as you said function or doing things is mm. what's going to improve it is that right yes or strengthen yeah but that's also when you're going to feel the pain kind of thing mm. but yeah you've got to do things yeah well before we go into the chirophysio i guess why is doing things because every, everyone sort of hears like what it's like oh no when you're in pain like that's when you you got to do things you can't just sit there and be like all right, I'm just going to wait for it to heal and, oh, it takes like three weeks. It's still not healed. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Why is increasing function or increasing, what are you actually improving when you're doing things mm-hmm. that makes it better? Well, it's kind of like the training principle, use it or lose it, right? Like if you're not functioning, if you're not taking your body through a range of motion or if you're not using things, then your body's going to adapt to get used to not using things. So if you're got like back pain yeah i'm just gonna rest i'm not gonna bend forward i'm just gonna stay upright i'm not gonna hurt it for three weeks i'm just gonna lay on the bed i'm gonna walk around but just stay upright i'm not gonna bend forward because that's how i hurt myself so then if you go through three four weeks of not doing that one day you're gonna have to bend over like if you never had to it's fine but if you have to bend over one day yeah if you never have to bend over in life again that's fine just 
do that. Just do that. Stay straight and you'll never hurt your back again. But one day you're going to have to and just do something functionally. So we need you to be able to do that. So the more you do that during your recovery and like in little steps, then you'll have more when you're healed or when you're feeling better instead of just so if you take like rest for four weeks and not move the back or four weeks of moving the back a little bit then at the end of those four weeks the person who moved the back a little bit is going to have more movement and more function yeah than the person who rested it okay i get that so the person who rested is starting from zero yes and i guess higher risk and yeah then yeah it's even the more you're kind of sitting in that painful state and avoiding everything, like that uh, movement avoidance kind of pattern, then the more you're in that, the longer it's going to take to get out of that. Yes, I get that. So then what's actually happening on the, I guess, scientific level? Mm. So you, I don't know, you hurt something. Like say it's a back. What's a yep. common thing that happens to the back? Is it muscular, joint? Is it? Yeah, all, all three, muscular, joint, disc. All the above? Yep. Okay, and muscular, joint, disc. And then what are you actually doing when you're slowly working the back, slowly bending forward? That's going to make it better. Let's say it's a joint. Mm-hmm. Why is bending forward when you're recovered? What are you actually, are you strengthening? Are why you stabilizing? Are you yeah, why? Like, isn't a joint a joint? It sort of just needs to heal. Isn't that what people think? Um, you yeah, know, I see where the question's coming from. Um, so, like, why keep the move? Well, in the acute phase, it's all about, like, keeping the movement kind of things, yeah? Keeping a bit of strength if it is muscle, like a muscle strain, then you want to keep a bit of strength. That's why we do, like, isometrics because it's low risk, but you keep the muscle working. Um, I guess muscle's probably the easiest to talk about because people are used to training. Um, so then if you keep some isometric strength in there and it's low risk of injury then you're going to have more when you come out of the pain. Yeah, so we're just talking about acute pain. Yeah. So if it's like a, a joint, like a low back joint, um, then it's all about movement, trying to keep it moving. Yeah. The actual so joint itself. The actual joint. Because if you think of like an ankle sprain, it swells up and inflames. Same thing anywhere. A, a joint has that synovial fluid and there's lots of inflammation in that joint. If we can reduce the inflammation that will help reduce your pain but also improve your function. Okay. So that's so why we like to keep things moving, especially when it's joint, ligament, those kind of things. Um, and disc is to reduce inflammation, um, improve blood flow to the area. Um, if it's a disc, then discs get um, like the healing factors through movement, through that kind of flexion, extension movement. Um, because they not don't have great blood supply, but that movement improves that blood supply and improves like the good blood and the healing factors and flushes out the inflammation. Okay. So movement helps reduce that swelling. Yes. Okay. Safe okay. movement. Obviously yeah. you're not pushing it, but yeah. Okay. In I think especially in that acute phase. I think that's a good one. I didn't really push that out that much. Like, Oh yeah, rest, ice, recover. But then apparently after like 28 or 48, I don't know how many hours mm. movement and heat is the way to go. Is that right? Or, Oh, that's a big topic. Yeah, that's huge at the moment. Um, this like rest, ice, compress, elevate. Um, yeah, where there's a big debate and a lot of research about what ice does and whether it does help. Um, there is 
bit of evidence to say like ice and heat helps, especially alternating them that can help kind of flush the area. Um, but ice reduces the inflammation, which is reducing blood flow to the area. But is that good? Because don't you want the blood flow to the area to help heal? Yeah. Always like blood flow to the area is going to help it heal. So the current thing is that the ice is actually inhibiting it because it's vasoconstricting, so reducing blood flow to the area. So you're not getting those healing factors that that blood flow brings. There you go. So I guess that happens all the time. Though. They're trying to move from like for acute injuries, so acute soft tissue injuries. They're trying to move away from rest, ice, compress, elevate, and more to peace and love is the new acronym. Peace and love, meaning like keep oh. it working. Uh, peace. Oh, it's a, like an acronym as well. So oh, okay. I'd have to check it all. Don't quote me on this. But peace and love. Yeah. So two two words. So the peace is acute. So protect. Oh, okay. Um, they still want you to elevate. So protect means. Don't don't do bad things. Yeah. Can we swear on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. Um, protect it. Don't hurt it. Uh, elevate. They still like elevation to reduce that swelling. Um, A, avoid anti-inflammatories. So avoid your non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like your tablets. Um, oh, wow. Avoid alcohol. Well, yeah, because they're, they're trying to promote this blood flow that this mm. this... They don't want to restrict that stuff. Yeah. Um, see, compress. We still like compression. Again. That helps blood flow, doesn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, but it also like helps reduce the swelling. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then what are we up to? E. Educate. So, um, yeah, try and provide that client with education that it will be okay. Um, tell them what's going on. Empower the person who's injured to understand their injury which has shown to help in their recovery wow. and then after that you got lo love which is a bit more subacute so just after you're acute um this is the one i'm not great at but we go load um so start to load it up start to move it what we just spoke about um o optimism so just think positive thoughts um yeah but be positive about your injury because obviously if you're going into like fear and if you're um creating this fear in a client or someone who is injured, then that's not going to help. So you want them to be positive. That's why we educate as well. That happens a lot, fear. I've heard of... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. scary being injured and everything hurts, but that's why we're trying to... Even from a practitioner level. Yeah. Like I've heard of clients saying, no, they said everything stopped. Like they even wrote me a certificate to say don't walk to work. Uh, and so, yeah. oh, okay. So what do you do? Oh, just stay home. Sounds pretty good. Just chill yeah. out, kick back, relax. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we know that's not going to be good in the long term for those that are injured. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to create this optimism. Um, a, I have to check that one. No, V. Oh, V. Yeah. Oh, I'm spelling wrong. <laughs> v, I think is V is like vascularization. Yeah. Um, I have to check exactly yeah, what we're doing there. And then E... I don't know what the, this E is. There's too many E's in there. So I'd have to check that. But Peace and love. Sweet. Peace and love is the new thing. So well, I didn't even know that. So I guess maybe you knew that. Whoever's maybe. What maybe maybe this. not. But, but it's um, people still like ice. And I'm not saying I don't like ice and don't use ice. But, um, yeah, we're trying to move away from that stuff. Yep. But if it helps you feel good, 
then that's good. Yeah. Yeah, like if it's going to help a client to move and feel good, then why not ice it? Yeah. Anyway, that's a big debate and I could keep talking, but... Oh, no, it's all right. I think we, we'll talk about physios now. <laughs> physios and chiros. <laughs> so let's try and speak from like a client or the non-practitioner level. So mm. you can speak from practitioner level, but I'll ask the question in a non-practitioner level. Mm-hmm. I'm not a practitioner anyway, so I can just ask. Yeah. Um, so I guess a lot of people, and I see it all the time, it's like, oh, yeah, like neck or location, chiro, physio, spine, that's chiro, um, physio, that's muscular or whatever it is. But I guess even chiros and physios, they sort of don't say like, oh, no, if it's neck, that doesn't mean chiro. And if it's it, like, mm. but I know that people and even myself before thought that's the way to go. It's like, oh, no, I need to see a chiro for this one. It's like, yep. oh, why? Oh, because that's what chiros do. Physios don't do that. But it's sort of like that's not actually the case all the time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, some of the time, um, yes, it de- uh, unfortunately it still depends on who you go to. Um, but I guess the main difference, I think chiros still have a um, more like joint-related background. So we often approach things as um, joint function affecting muscle function um, or neurological function affecting joint and muscle function. Um, so I think we are still quite joint focused um, as a whole, as a profession. Um, and physios are still more muscular focused. Um, or that's kind of the background. They see, so yeah, you have a muscle strain, you see a physio. You have a backache, you see a chiro. Um, so I think that's kind of the background because physios more are focused on muscular function affecting joint function. And chiro's be more focused on joint function affecting muscular function. Yes. Um, but I think they're getting more and more similar and more, more alike. Yeah, um, I think Because so. I think the best practitioner, whether it's a physio, chiro or whatever, um, that they'll take the good from the physio world and the good from the chiro world and put it together and you've got a good practitioner. Yeah, exactly right. Which is what we're, like as a company, we try and do because we've got physios and chiros. Um, so we all learn together and we all do our professional development together. So we understand where a physio comes from and the physios understand where a chiro comes from. So if we can take the understanding from both, then that makes a good practitioner. Yeah. So unfortunately it still depends who you go to as what you'll get. Um, But same in any kind of profession. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is like there's a PT that does strength, training and then Mm. there's a pt who might do calisthenics or cardio training it's all like they're both going to come from different angles right yeah yeah and like hopefully a good practitioner will listen to the client and be like oh you're interested in this type of training we can do that yeah and same as a practitioner they should take the approach of oh this is a muscle strain let's take this very muscular approach but still understand that there is underlying things, that yes. there is underlying joint function, neurological function. Yeah. So. Because I've heard of some old school chiros how, like, doesn't matter what the issue is. Mm. Like, all right, in you come, five mins we got, and neck, elbow, shoulder, back, lower back, knee, yep. 
whatever pull. And then yeah, there's lots of good. especially like just spinal focus. They'll just spoke focus on adjusting the spine. Yeah. Um so yeah, unfortunately it still very much depends on who you go to as to what you'll get. Um but hopefully we're heading in the right direction and the prof- as a profession we should be heading in the right, right direction to kind of take the good bits from both and have an understanding of both and look at the person you've got in front of you rather than let's adjust the back. So it's tailoring almost. Yeah. It's more of yeah. Yeah. And I mean I'm not saying that other cars don't do that. Um, but you've got to yeah, understand there's a whole body there and a whole person as well. Um, we've got the mindset as well. But yeah, hopefully yeah. the profession is heading in that direction. We would like to see um, just like a manual therapist or a, like rather than a physio, chiro, mm. eight labels, yep. you'd rather see a manual therapist that can help you with muscular, neuromusculoskeletal conditions. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, why don't they just create a degree or whatever? Why don't it is? they do like, that? that? That's a great question. And it's just like you go see, it's like, oh, you see Kyle or Physio, what one do you better prefer? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like whatever it was just, I see, yeah, whatever. My practitioner. Yeah, you have a doctor and you say, oh, I'm sore. Something yeah. in my neuromusculoskeletal system, so bone joint nerves, yeah, whatever it is, is dysfunctional or painful, then you go see this person. Yeah, so we don't have a label for it. We it's not not a thing. Yeah, but that's yeah that's ideal. Yeah, and then I guess there's also a new one EP. Mm-hmm. Oh, EP is not that new, isn't it? No, it's, I guess it's coming to light more. Coming to light more. I think. Well, I've heard there's a little bit more differentiation. Yeah, EPs would be a bit different to like a manual therapist. Yeah. Um. EPs work with a lot of like conditions, um, but they don't have the diagnostic tools. So they won't do like diagnostic testing. Yeah. Um, but they are the exercise professionals. So yeah. like, yeah, they will help with exercise, especially with conditions and like conditions that affect exercise ability, um, like diabetes and cardiovascular issues. Okay. But they're a bit different to manual therapists, I'd say. Yeah. Like, I don't think they do the adjustments or the releases. As no, much. they don't, as far as I'm aware, they yeah. don't, like, manually handle the client. Yeah. Um, they're more hands-off approached. And in saying that, they also don't manually test. So they don't hands-on test either. They can do exercise testing. Yeah. But not manual testing, diagnostic okay. testing. So random question in between was, do you like Cairo? Do I like Cairo? Yeah. yeah, I like Cairo. And then I guess a bit more explained as, as to why. why. Why I like car. Um, Well, I like dealing with people. I think that helps, especially during lockdown. Um, I think th- that really um, makes everyone consider if their job's right for them. Um, but, yeah, being able to see people and face-to-face with people and interact with people, I really enjoy. Um, and then alongside of that, helping people, obviously, mm. is um, very satisfying and I think that's why I got into it as well because I like seeing people function, um, but also at like a helping them function at a higher level. Yeah. So I like that kind of work, which I think chiropractic allows me to do a lot of. Yeah, because I guess any like help people that could range anyway. Oh, that could like yeah mean anything, and everyone yeah. loves to help people. Yeah. It's such a corny answer, but um, yeah, like help people improve their function um, yeah. and performance, 
Um, and then obviously the pain, get people out of pain and improve function and performance. So what do you mean by, so in lockdown, you really, you really sort of, that came out or you noticed that, was that because like, we couldn't just easily see people, but then when you saw someone in the car room, you're like, oh, hey, hey, go on, come Yeah, like yeah. if, I was, I say this to a lot of clients, like if in lockdown I had an office job um, and my partner had an office job as well, uh, like we would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm definitely glad that I got to get out of the house and see people, like compared to some of my friends who were working from home, I just like couldn't see myself. Oh, they, they enjoyed it and that's oh, for okay. them. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it. So I think that lockdown definitely made that evident that that face-to-face interaction is really important. Yep. Um, and I'm sure it's important for a lot of people and a lot of people get in different ways, but I just love having a job where I get that as part of the job. Yeah. Yeah, like some people... Like you guys, you guys get face-to-face interaction as part of your job. Yeah. And so I hope you also enjoy that interaction. It's not. Oh, yeah. Not in, <laughs> no, in lockdown, it's all like, I don't know, you're like, oh, so... I guess there's not as much for them to talk about. So they're the same. They're like, oh, I can't wait to get my session. Like, oh, I can talk to someone. We had clients coming in, like, that was the only thing they're doing that week. And they're like, yeah, and they're like, oh, I'm coming no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's essential. It's essential. I need to go. Exactly. So. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that's a good answer, actually. Yeah. Well, you'd like a chiro practitioner, physio that like talking to people because that's. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Hopefully a therapist enjoys talking to people. Yeah, I guess that's a big part of the communication. And mm. I guess along with that, don't worry, I've got the questions memorised now. Oh. The It seems to be, well, I feel as if it is, people have a hard time implementing the sort of rehab um, movement, sort of improvement exercises mm. that is going to benefit them long term with the acute issue that they have. Yep. And why do you think that is? Like if I thought about it, maybe when they're in pain they might do it, but Mm -hmm. as a preventative, like if I thought about it, it's like I don't like being in pain in order for me to not be in pain. Oh, yeah, sometimes I don't do the exercise (laughs) you give me, but like I do do them at least once a week or at least before I see you, right? If you said three times, I might go once. (laughs) If you said every day, I might do it every second day, but Uh, not doing it at all. Huh? You're confessing live on on podcast. Oh, don't worry. I do the I do the prehab. Why? Why people don't do it? Is that what you're asking? Or yeah, why? Or maybe they all do it. Who knows? Like oh, you definitely tell me. Not. Definitely yeah. not. Maybe um, everyone does it. I think it's it's like you said. It's very easy to do when you're in pain because you have something there that's constantly bothering you. And you're like, oh. If I do those exercises that guy gave me, then this pain won't be there. So that's pretty easy to do. So yeah. we normally like break um, people's recovery into kind of three stages. Um, dysfunctional, painful, dysfunctional, neutral, and functional, neutral. So it means you're in dysfunction and you're painful. So you're not performing well, you're not moving well, and it hurts. Um, once That's where the pain is, and that's when you're doing your exercises because you know they're going to help. Yeah, and yeah. that's easy to remember. And that's easy you're to remember them. You're reminded them constantly. There's a sharp stick sticking into your back. And you're like, oh, that's right. Those stupid exercises. Yeah. Um, and then once you're out of that and then you're in dysfunctional neutral, this is the hardest one. Well, this is getting into the hardest stage um, because this is where you're not functioning. You're either 
like there's a mobility issue, a strength issue or a movement pattern issue um, and it's still there but you don't feel that sharp stick sticking back to remind you to do the exercises. Mm. Um, you might feel it when you um, do something occasionally. You might be like, oh, that's right. What were those exercises again? Oh, I wish I, wish I remembered them. wish I wrote them down. wish I got them in that app. Um, and that's when you might do it for a day and then be like, oh, I'm all right now. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and then that functional neutral stage is where we're still training you to improve that function and like that's that kind of preventative performance stage um, and that's where it is very hard to do your exercises because you don't have that reminder that you're sore. So and you're also functioning quite well. Yeah, right? and you're starting to do things normally, yeah. But that's when the exercises are fun. Why are they fun? Because they're more complicated, more more advanced. Ah. That's the advanced stuff where you're yeah. training a whole movement pattern or training not just simply an isolated exercise. Okay. And then do you find that there's a lot of people that revert back to the pain stage from not doing the exercises or from putting themselves yeah definitely like going from yeah out of pain to functioning okay and then going back into pain because they weren't doing their exercises or because something happened it's very common yeah and that's when people come in like oh i was doing those exercises and then i stopped for a couple of weeks and now i i'm sore again yeah, so that's that's very common, um, but it only takes you a few goes of that to realize. Ah, uh, if I keep on those exercises for a little bit longer, yeah, then I'll be better. Yeah, move to the what was it? Functional neutral. Yeah, stage. Okay, so non-functional neutral is is it non-functional? Uh dysfunctional. Dysfunctional neutral yep. is the ish underlying issue still there, but you just don't have the pain. Does that mean like maybe swelling went down or it's not as bad as it yeah. was? Or yeah, exactly. You still um like any well we look at like the body functioning like when you have an injury we often like look at if it's a mobility or stability issue um then we look at if it's a strength or power issue and then if it's not that then it could be a motor control or like a movement pattern issue um so once you're out of that dysfunctional painful stage that's when you have that mobility and stability so you're feeling a bit better um or you have that strength back in the muscle or like you've done the first stage of rehab yeah, and you're feeling okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess like you said, someone who doesn't really get injured that much, it's probably like a little bit of a different mentality to someone who's, I don't know, possibly gotten injured a few times. They're like, no, nah, I can't <laughs> go back to that. Yeah, especially if it's the same thing. Like clients will often pick up and be like, oh, I stopped doing the exercises for a bit. They, they all look really like sheepish and guilty. Like, oh, I stopped doing those exercises and the same thing hurts. And, mm. you know, everyone knows why and everyone knows the answer. And they're like, oh, I'll do the exercises more. Yeah. So some people it doesn't take another episode of pain. Some people it does. So it, it depends, depends on the person. Yeah, depends on the person. That's how it is most of the time, right? Every answer depends on the person, depends on the injury. You can oh, always okay. say it depends on the person. Four-year degree, five-year degree. Depends on the person. Yeah. Actually, one thing that came to mind midway through, I just remembered, how different is the theory side? Like, I know when you finish Mm. up Cairo, you're actually doing practical on students, I think, or people that come in. Public, yep, yep. Yep. And how different is the theory 
compared to when you actually went out and started doing Cairo? Good question. Um, well, it's not it's not different. Like the theory's all there. Like the, you still understand the theory, and the theory's all the same. The theory hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, but practically practicing it in real world situation, um, it's different. It's more about like you're talking about communication before. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. It's the nuances of dealing with people. Mm. The theory's all there. You can be the smart book smart and know how to rehab a tendinopathy and know how to diagnose and treat a muscle strain. Um, but then you've also got a person there. So that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Because obviously the theory doesn't change. They're teaching you the right stuff, but you actually got to deal with people. So there's still a massive so coaching we like component. It. Yeah. Yeah, still a massive like uh, personal interaction component. Yeah. Mm. Cause, that's yeah. like communication. You know, if you don't talk and don't hear what that person's saying, then you're going to be on two separate pages. And that's definitely not going to help recovery. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I guess if they're like, oh, I don't really like that guy. Yeah. Look at it. No, no, that's, that's a big thing for people's recovery. Like if you don't bond with your practitioner or if you um, don't connect well, then it's going to be really hard to recover. Yeah. Oh, I can agree with that. I mean, you can still do it. Yeah. It's like training. Like imagine going to PT where you hate, hate the person. Yeah. You're still going to get show benefits if you do the work but you're gonna hate it and probably not gonna do as well as if you if you love the person yeah so that's probably the biggest difference between theory of yeah the studies yeah and then practicing it so basically you're sitting there doing the theory side of things and that's you're like oh yeah it'll be all about like how smart you are and this is how it is and then how quick you can diagnose and the best treatment plan you can write yeah, and then you're like, oh, everyone's different. Everyone's different depends on the person. Yeah. But, yeah, that's probably the biggest difference because you've got to be able to adapt that yeah. uh, treatment plan, that theory, that diagnosis to the person. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, because I always think that, like, I know how I felt before I was doing PT, but I guess it's different for everyone. Like, they're like, hmm, it's going to be like this. And it's like, oh. Oh, and then it's not like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. So I know the, well, I guess we'll give some, a good amount of value. Hopefully they've, the public's received some value already, but on a, I was thinking about it and almost, oh, what would I think about Like, not to say that, all right, don't go Cairo because you're going to tell, oh, this is how you do it because they obviously always need the Cairos, they need physios or they need, someone to coach them through it, right? Similar to PT, oh, here's a program, go out and do it. Mm-hmm. But what's the, so someone like, oh, I'm really trying to get on top of my uh, injury in my shoulder, for example. Mm-hmm. So what's the sort of process that goes behind rehabbing a shoulder? It's like, all right, find out, is it find out what's weak, find out what's inflamed, mm-hmm. recover it, do this, do that. So there's someone sitting there like, oh, what? What's so valuable about a car or... What's the actual yep. process that goes in when you're like, okay, well, this is how we're going to fix it up. It's not just crack, 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 and all right, you should be good now. What goes on in the mind? Yeah. All right. Um, so, like, when you address any injury, um, like we were talking about before, um, you've got to break down where the issue came from. Um, and this is something that 
we're very passionate about is finding out exactly why. Yeah, find out the why. The Anyone can tell you if it's shoulder injury, like it's a tendinopathy or a muscle strain, whatever it is. Um, it's pretty easy to do a test and be like, oh, yep, that's what it is. Um, now you may or no, may not be right, um, but that's the easy part. The easy part, the hard part is to find out why. And that's what you want people to be able to understand because then they can fix their own issues, yeah. Um, so this comes back to like that, look at the shoulder. Um, is the shoulder mobile enough? Is it a mobility issue? Can you not rotate? Can you not flex or extend? Or can you not move the shoulder enough? Um, if not, then you need to work on mobility. Um, is it a stability issue? Is the shoulder unstable? Does it move too much? Does it have signs of instability? Does it clunk or signs of instability? Then you need to work on stability because that's your why. That's why whatever's sore in the shoulder is sore. Yeah. Um, speaking of shoulders, I saw this thing on social media, on Instagram. Um, it doesn't really matter what's sore in the shoulder or it doesn't matter why it's sore. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter what's sore. If it's a biceps tendon, if it's a strain, you can probably do the rehab and fix the shoulder fairly well without knowing exactly why. Yeah, so I know what you mean. I've the now got a new shoulder diagnosis. It will come back again. You've got the shits. Yeah. The shoulder, something hurts in the shoulder, which I liked. Um, but it's obviously important to know what hurts to treatment. Yeah. Um, but if you're yeah addressing your own issue, is it a mobility issue? Is it a stability issue? Start there. If it's if you're all good with that stuff, you can move the shoulder well. You can hold strong positions. Is it a strength or power issue? Is there a weakness? Is there an underlying weakness? Um, is it a weakness in the shoulder? Is it a weakness elsewhere? It might be further away from the shoulder. It might be down into the wrist. It might be up into the neck or up into the thoracic spine or shoulder blade area. Um, yeah, so look at the strength and power. Um, and then if it's not that, if you're nice and strong in the shoulder, then it might be how you move, which is what I was saying before about that um, motor control or movement pattern. Mm. Um, so it might be how you're doing something. Um, you might just not have that kind of uh, motor pattern sequence down packed right. Um, like, yeah, you might be pressing funny or you might be elevating the shoulder and that's causing issues. So this is all the why. Yeah, if you figure out the why and fix the why, then that will help your pain. Yeah, essentially. no, I get that one. And then the practitioner is there to obviously figure that out for you, ideally. Mm -hmm. um, because if you, it's, if you can't figure it out, then just go see someone, figure it out. They should be able to tell you why. If not, you're at the wrong person. Yeah. Um, that's what the practitioner's there for is to help with that diagnosis, um, to break up that pain cycle, which is probably the hardest part to do yourself. Um, because you can do all the rehab and stuff, but if you're continuously going back into this pain cycle that we spoke before, um, then it's going to be very hard to progress. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's why going back to your original question about the the graph, um, that's why the practitioners there is to intervene at that right time to prevent the pain. Yep. And the downfall. I get that. Yeah. Because so that's how it works. That's how you can figure it out yourself. Mm. But that's also why there is someone there for you. 
Yeah, because one, it's hard to figure it out for yourself what it is. Two, it's hard to figure out the why. Three, it's hard to rehab. And like you said, there's obviously some skill to... So there's there's a whole bunch of things that... I mean, you can do it yourself. Like, you can figure out why. Like, you could... I mean, like, test the shoulder. You could be like, Uh, oh, maybe, yeah. Adjust the neck. Well, people know. Like, you know if your shoulder's tight. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be like, oh, if I just work on (laughs) loosening my shoulder, improving mobility in my shoulder, that might help. You give that a go. Google shoulder mobility. Yeah. Ah, Give it a go. Do some overhead stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the practitioner's there to interrupt the pain cycle because that's probably the hardest part um, is to, like, interrupt that pain cycle. Um, But also, yeah, to give you guidance. But you can definitely work on things yourself. It's just going to be more trial and error. Yes. And that's a big one that I sort of push out to, like... Even as PT, like, I don't want to go through this long period of trial and error. If there's actually someone there to mm. say, like, all right, this is what it is. One, fix it faster because time is valuable, right? Well, it's up, it depends on your priorities. You, yeah. could, you could have all the time in the world and not, not care so much and you can sort it out yourself and just take a little bit longer and that's all right. Yeah, it'll only take like two years, three years and you find out the perfect way you to You might guess it. on the first go. You never know. Oh, yeah, true. But, yes. Yeah, you could trial and error a lot of things before you get to your answer. Yeah, I think you're downplaying it a bit. I think it's a bit harder than oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit harder than that. Yes, I, uh, I seem to downplay a lot. Yeah, it's like this pain cycle can go for years for people. And they're like, all right, I'll go. Yeah, and that that's when, like, when that does happen, that's when it is harder as well. Like having a client with a long history of pain um, is much harder to like fix and rehab than a client with recent history of pain and maybe a couple of weeks or whatever that's pretty easy to deal with because there isn't the as much of a pain cycle there you go the double and then you've also got like the whole um like mentality around it as well so yeah if you're someone with pain for five years no one can fix it yeah well i mean you've also got like that psycho psychosocial model of pain so there's a lot going on there as well yeah which overlies everything just from that word i think that's too long for this podcast the biopsychosocial model oh (laughs) (laughs) the person and the brain we'll just keep it to person and brain yeah so basically what i got from that is big component is finding the why first because you can fix it all you want but if you keep Mm-hmm. Um, re-injuring it yep. it's sort of like alright well if you just didn't do what you're doing or did this a little bit differently then you wouldn't actually have to keep healing yourself mm. and big one I think is the interruption of the cycle it's mm. probably going to happen but even if it went up and then across and then up it's a lot better than up down up down like because mm. it's I don't know it's depressing like if you oh, oh, yeah. again oh here we go yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that why is a big one here. Wow. Because anyone can tell you what's wrong with your shoulder. You can yeah. do some simple tests and say what's wrong with the shoulder. But why? Oh, I've, I, actually, uh, that reminds me of a few people that say, like, I know exactly what it is, it's this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you've had that issue like five years in a row now. Like, <laughs> so are you going to change something? Or? <laughs> nah, I'm fine. <laughs> I know Hopefully, what it is. yeah, change something. Yeah. Figure out the why. And, yeah, fix the shoulder or fix the whatever. The issue. Mm. So 
I want to know that analogy again before we tune off for this podcast, the peace and love one. Oh, so you want to go through peace and love? Oh, no, 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 just the acronyms. Yeah. Go off the top of your head. And then if you get it wrong, people can look it up online, new peace and love thing for Kara and see oh, if you got it right. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> All right, peace and love, protect, elevate, avoid anti-inflammatories, compress, educate. One of the E's is educate. I think it's the first one. Then the subacute phase is love, load, optimism, vascularization, E for educate again. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the second E is for. I'm sorry. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's well, been good. a pleasure. And thank good you fun. to Hills Podcast Studio for such a good facility. Thanks very much. I love the background. Zebra colours. <laughs> Bye. Bye.